Imagine trying to dig a ditch using a shovel. Now imagine digging that same ditch using a backhoe. Using the right tool can make all the difference in how much you are able to accomplish with the same investment of time and effort. Sure, renting a backhoe is expensive, but you can always make more money. You can never make more time. Your time is valuable. It's the most valuable thing you have. So put it to good use by using the best tools available. As an author, you don't use a backhoe, you use a laptop, and the software that runs on your computer is critical to how productive and successful you are. It is 2020 now, and there are a lot of great software options, and it might be that you're about to learn something in this podcast episode that is going to dramatically save you time. It'll be like going from digging with a shovel with backbreaking work to digging with a backhoe, which not only is faster and easier, but more fun at the same time. I'm Thomas Sumstead Jr., the CEO of Author Media, and this is Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about, and they don't want to waste time doing it. Now, before we talk about software, I want to talk very briefly about hardware and why I recommend Apple computers for authors. I think pretty much every author should buy a Mac. And there's three reasons why I think Macs are best for authors. First is that they last longer and they're actually cheaper in the long run. A lot of people see Apple computers and like, oh, it's so expensive. But what they're not looking at is the total cost of ownership. Software for Macs is cheaper and they last longer. So what's more expensive? A $500 PC that lasts for two years or a $1,000 Mac that lasts for five years. Total cost of ownership, even ignoring the software of the $1,000 Mac is cheaper than a PC you have to replace two and a half times across those same five years. Also, Macs are more reliable, which kind of is connected with the fact that they last longer. And I would estimate that most best-selling authors use Apple computers. In fact, most of the authors that I work with, the vast majority, I would say, use Apple computers. And there's a chance you're already an Apple user yourself, so I won't stress this too much. But as an author, it really is worth it financially in the long run to buy a Mac. Uh, oh, and the other reason is that a lot of software only works on Mac. So a surprising amount of software for authors only runs on Mac or only a limited version runs on the PC. So as I go through these software options, you may be hearing about amazing software that if you're a PC user, you just can't use. But don't worry, I'll be giving PC alternatives as we go. So the first piece of software I want to talk about is Scrivener. And this is perhaps uh, the most popular piece of software for authors on this list. It's only $49 one time. It's for the Mac primarily. In fact, for a long time, it was only for the Mac. There's now a limited PC version. It's kind of a watered down, not as good version. But if you're on a PC, you can install Scrivener. And I remember the first time I used Scrivener and it blew my mind. For the first time, someone had made software specifically for writing books rather than for writing memos. You see, Microsoft Word was designed for writing memos. And that memo heart is still at the core of Microsoft Word. Now, Scrivener has a mode that allows you to hide all distractions so that there's no buttons, no icons. It hides everything on the screen except for you writing. And at the time, this was a revolutionary feature. Of course, other software has stolen that feature since then. But 
this was 13 years ago, and Scrivener has come a long way. It is the go-to piece of software for most novelists. And they like the fact that it has a research section where you can keep track of all your character information for fiction and, or all of your research for nonfiction. It's all built right there into the app, and it's really good for managing longer works. Word gets unwieldy once you get past 20 or 30 pages, and it gets really unwieldy once you get past 100 pages. You know, you know, God forbid you're working on a 300-page novel with six different characters and a dozen different plot lines. Keeping track of that in Word is really difficult, and you'll waste a lot of time. If you are still using Word to write your long novel, you are using the shovel. And there's a wonderful backhoe called Scrivener that I imagine you will fall in love with. There's also some really cool writer-specific features, like being able to identify words that you overuse, right? This is a thing that computers can do really well. They can identify a bunch of words that are used and you're like, oh, this word is used more often than perhaps you should use. And like, oh yeah, I need to stop uh, using the word grim. Every character is uh, looking grim at the battlefield. <laughs> so maybe I need to use another word uh, in addition to the word grim. I read a, a book once where everyone was grim all the time and the book was very grim. <laughs> so uh, if you're using Scrivener on the Mac, it can even take dictation using Apple's built-in voice-to-speech engine. You may be wondering, how good is Apple's voice-to-speech engine? Uh, well, their answer is Dragon Dictate, their biggest competitor, doesn't even try to compete with Apple's engine. That's how good Apple's engine is. Why would Dragon make a version for the Mac when there's a version free on the Mac that is just as good, if not better? In fact, you can use Apple Dictate not just in Scrivener, but also in Pages and in Microsoft Word for free. Scrivener deserves its own episode. So at some point, I'll do a whole episode on Scrivener. So I'm not going to go into it too much at this point. But if you haven't tried it, I do encourage you to check out the free trial. The next piece of software is equally beloved. And it's funny because it's similar to Scrivener and yet completely does not compete with Scrivener. And that is Vellum. And this is Mac only. And it is a typesetting tool. And to give you an idea of how much indie authors love Vellum, I know an indie author who was a PC fanatic. And this author went out and bought a $1,000 Mac just to be able to then spend $249 on Vellum. That's how much this author wanted Vellum and the author didn't look back. That's how good Vellum is. It, now you may be wondering, what is typesetting? Well, if you're traditionally published, your publisher does typesetting for you. But if you're independently published, this is actually arranging the words on the page so that it looks good typesetting for a word document or even for scrivener and typesetting for an ebook or for paper are very different and one of the most common ways for a book to quote look self-published unquote is for the typesetting to be word document uh, typesetting rather than professional style typesetting uh, vellum uh, gives you an instant preview of what your book would look like in paper kindle ipad kobo nook and android you can just switch back and forth and make sure that it looks beautiful it is amazing the piece of software is beautiful to look at it's beautiful to use and there's a reason why people love it so much now you can always hire a professional to do your typesetting for you but with vellum you can easily do it yourself and this is particularly useful uh, for making reader magnets right if you want to make a reader magnet very quickly or you want to test several different reader magnets you don't want to pay a typesetter to typeset each one. Vellum is really great for that. It's also really good if you want to update the back matter of your books. Let's say you've got 10 books out and you've just written your 11th book and you want to edit the back matter of your first 10 books to have a, a page that talks about the new book in the series. Well, with Vellum, that's very easy to do. 
Uh, for someone asking, uh, how do you turn a Word document into a beautiful ebook or print book? The answer is always when they ask me, do you have a Mac? And if they say yes, I send them to Vellum. If they don't have a Mac, I uh, typically send them to draft2digital.com, which is a web-based uh, competitor. Uh, and people also really like Draft2Digital. I've heard some really good things about Draft2Digital. But Vellum is really worth taking a look at. The next piece of software is time tracking. So we talked about writing software. We talked about uh, layout and design software for books. Now time tracking is like, how is this important for authors? Well, it's important for authors because for most authors, distraction are their number one enemy. Uh, the more you write, the better you become at writing and the more books you publish, both of which help you make more money. So if you want to be able to afford good software like Vellum, and if you want to be able to afford a Mac, a big part of that means just spending more time writing and less time distracted. And this is where rescue time comes in. What gets measured gets managed. And tracking how you spend your time on your computer will have a huge impact. Just the tracking will have a huge impact on how you spend your time and help you write more. Authors with Rescue Time write more than authors without. <laughs> and I've talked a lot about Rescue Time over the last few episodes, so I won't belabor this point. There's a free version that you can get, and for authors, the free version is typically enough, but there's also a $9 a month premium version that really for authors, I feel like is, is overkill. Uh, the next piece of software is for editing to help you write cleaner prose. And for editing, I love Grammarly Pro. Now, chances are you're already using the free version of Grammarly, and I would encourage you to go in and pay for the full version. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Grammarly is a super spell checker that also helps with grammar and usage. Grammar doesn't just put squiggles under errors. It also has a learn more button with every suggestion that expands to explain the why behind the rule. I can't tell you how much this has changed my life. I have been making the same mistakes for decades in my writing and no one ever told me the why of the rule. They just said, this is wrong. And they take the comma out, but I, but I never understood the why. And so I wasn't able to actually get any better as a writer. Uh, using Grammarly doesn't just make your writing better, it makes you a better writer. It's amazing. Now, I will say, you shouldn't accept every Grammarly suggestion. Often the suggestions are not about abiding by the rules in terms of the Chicago Manual of Style, but they're suggestions about tightening your writing, how to make it more compelling. And, you know, you want to preserve your voice. You don't necessarily want to take all of those rules. But with the explanations there, you can make informed decisions about when to accept a piece of Grammarly feedback and when not to accept a piece of Grammarly feedback. Now, I should say as well, Grammarly doesn't replace getting a real editor, especially for your book or for your short story. But it will help, and it will help that editor work on more important things. And it helps you become a better writer, and it's especially helpful for things you don't hire a professional editor for, like web pages, email newsletters, blog posts, and social media posts. So I graduated cum laude from university without fully understanding when and where to use commas. It was Grammarly that has started to help me figure that out. And when I get it wrong, Grammarly is there to show me the way. So uh, I think it's it's for the commas. That's why I love Grammarly so much. Um, the next piece of software that I recommend, is this is for plotting and for planning. So this is for fiction only. And that is Plotter. P-L-O-T-T-R. This is... It's been around for a few years, but just recently it's had kind of a refresh, uh, a redesign that's made it into a really compelling platform. And this is for both Mac and for PC. And it is a tool that helps you create a timeline 
not just for your story, but also for your characters. You can have a timeline for your main plot. You can have a timeline for your subplots. You can organize it by characters, and it allows you to visually see your story. If you are an outliner, this is a tool that will make you go crazy. You'll be like, where have you been all of my life? And I'm actually hosting a webinar and next week with Ryan Z. And we're going to be going through Plotter step-by-step. We'll be sharing it on the screen. We'll be taking your questions about how to use it. We'll have a link to that webinar in the show notes. This webinar will be Thursday, August 13th, 2020. We'll have a link so you can convert the time into your time zone. And there will be a replay available. If you click this link for the webinar after the webinar, the link will just take you to the replay. But uh, Plotter looks like a really cool tool if you're writing fiction. If you're writing nonfiction, this is not the tool for you. Uh, The next piece of software that I really like is LastPass. This is a password management vault, an encrypted password vault. Uh, The easiest way to hack you, uh, if a hacker wanted to hack you, is to look up your password from a recent big hack. So recently, Wattpad was hacked. And Wattpad is a popular writing platform for authors. And the hackers put up for auction the usernames and passwords of the hundreds of millions of users on Wattpad. Which That means that if you have ever signed up for Wattpad, or if you did before the hack happened, uh, somebody could buy your information. And often what happens is that after it's been bought and sold a few times, this information gets posted publicly for free. So any hacker can just look up your password. And it's not just Wattpad. It's LinkedIn and Adobe and uh, hundreds of other major websites. And so very likely, I could, if I wanted, look up your password right now. I'm not a hacker, and so I wouldn't do that. But any hacker could. And if you, God forbid, use the same password on more than one website, then they could suddenly start logging into your other websites. They've got your username, they've got your password, they have the key to all of your different houses. And what would make this even worse is if you had that same password on your email. Now suddenly the hacker can log into your email address and reset the passwords the hacker didn't have access to. And now they own your entire platform, which is, needless to say, bad for your platform. What's the point of building a giant platform if a hacker is just going to use it to do evil and potentially lock you out of your own platform? So what do you do? How do you protect yourself? Well, the solution is simple and pretty much all security experts agree on it. The solution is to have a unique, strong password for every website a different key for your car than you have for your house. And if each door has its own key, if somebody steals one of the keys, they only get access to that one door. And I will say Wattpad, once they found out about the hack, they forced all of their users to do a password reset. So the Wattpad hack doesn't put Wattpad at risk. It puts all of their users at risk who reuse their passwords. So this is why having strong, unique passwords for all of your hundreds of websites is so important. But you're saying, I can't keep track of you know, encrypted, convoluted, long passwords for hundreds of uh, websites. There's no way I can remember all of those passwords. And you know what? You're right. You can't. You're human. And that is where LastPass comes in. 
LastPass is an encrypted vault that keeps track of all of your passwords. It'll even help you generate really strong passwords. If you put a gun to my head right now and asked me to give you my PayPal password, I couldn't do it because I don't know it. It is one of these convoluted, encrypted, super long passwords, and I don't know my own PayPal password. But I do know the password to my encrypted vault. And so this one password, this last password you ever need, uh, unlocks that vault. So that password you need to, one, not forget it, two, not lose it, (laughs) and three, uh, what I would recommend actually is to put it in your safe deposit box with instructions for your heirs. I have my password in a secure location and instructions for my wife. If something were to happen to me, all she, she would open up this envelope, she'd get access to the password, and she would be able to access my digital life. And this is the way to both keep myself secure and keep my wife, if anything were to happen to me, from being locked out of, of important things. Because you never think of how many different websites you have access to uh, until you're not there to uh, consult. And actually was working with an, a widow of an author and he had died unexpectedly and she was trying to get access to his Amazon login and all these different you know websites that were important for him as an author and she didn't know anything about writing and publishing that wasn't her area of expertise but suddenly she was needing to learn about it and it put a lot of pressure on her and so I didn't want the same thing to happen to my wife which is why I use a tool like LastPass. I don't personally use LastPass but it is what I recommend. I use, which is the runner-up, I use 1Password, which is their biggest competitor. They're both very good. And uh, LastPass costs $3 a month, which is totally worth it, in my opinion. All right, the next piece of software that I recommend is for backups. So we talked about, you know, bad things happening if bad guys got a hold of your password. Well, another bad thing that can happen, in fact, it will happen, is your hard drive will fail. (laughs) So... This isn't a matter of if, it is a matter of when. If you have a hard disk on your computer, it is spinning at 7,200 revolutions per minute. That is billions and billions of revolutions per year. That's like a tire spinning and spinning and spinning. And here's the thing about things in motion. They wear down. It is inevitable. No hard disk can spin infinitely. They will all fail. It's just a matter of when they will fail. Some fail after a year, some fail after two years, and some will last five or six years. Some will last 10 or 15. Each year, something like 10% of hard disks fail, and you know some brands are better than others. And so every year, you're rolling the dice whether or not everything saved on your computer will be lost. And you may be saying, oh, that doesn't apply to me. I have a solid state drive, and my solid state drive uh, doesn't have a disk. There's no moving parts. And you're right. There's no moving parts. But guess what? Solid state drives aren't any more reliable than uh, disks because the electrons uh, get fatigued in the sectors of the solid state drive. In fact, there's special software to help identify which sectors of a solid state drive are getting fatigued so they stop being written to. So regardless of what kind of computer you have, Mac or PC, solid state drive or hard disk, you must have a backup solution and it needs to back up your computer automatically. If the only time your computer is backed up is when you remember to put the flash drive into your computer to drag over the files, you don't have a good system. And what happens if there's a flood? What happens if there's a hurricane? What happens if there's a fire? What happens if you're robbed or there's a riot? Right? There's lots of bad things that can happen and you want a backup on the cloud. So what do I recommend for backups? What I personally use for backups is Dropbox. Dropbox 
backs up all of my files in the Dropbox folder. And not only does it keep them backed up to the cloud, but it also keeps my files synced across multiple computers. So I have both a desktop and a laptop and I have those files synced. So I can start working on a keynote presentation on my desktop and then pick up where I left off on my laptop. It also allows me to share folders with other people. So I have a folder just of podcast recordings that I share with my podcast editor. If I were writing a book right now, which actually I'm thinking about writing a book right now on uh, email marketing, let me know if that's something you would be interested in. I could have a Dropbox folder just for that ebook and I could share that with my editor. And what I love about Dropbox is it does all three of these things. It backs up your system, it allows you to share files with others, and it syncs your files across your devices. Because it also gives me access to my files on my phone. So maybe I'm out and about and I need to access a file from my computer. I just pull up my phone, open up the Dropbox app, and I can pull that file up or I can email a link of that file to somebody else. I can also share files in email that are too big to fit in an email. So maybe I need to send somebody a really large file. It's too big for Gmail, no problem. I just create a Dropbox link. This one tool does all three things, which makes it worth the $10 a month for me. Now, it's runner-up and another really good tool if all you want is the backup is Backblaze. Backblaze is a little bit cheaper. I think it's 7 or $8 a month. But it doesn't really do the syncing and it doesn't really do the sharing. It just does the backing up. But it's very reliable and it's used by many, many uh, people and organizations. And I'll have links to both Dropbox and Backblaze in the show notes. Um, actually, I have links to all of the things I'm recommending in the show notes. And I'd like to say I have lots of affiliate links, but most of the things I'm recommending, I'm not an affiliate for. <laughs> so, uh, But where I am an affiliate, it will be marked. And so if you're wanting to help out the show and use my affiliate links, uh, you can do it that way. All right, the next piece of software that I recommend is for image editing. You may be like, I'm an author. Why do I need to edit images? Well, you may find yourself editing images quite a bit, especially if you're building your own website. You're going to be editing images a lot for building your website. If you're blogging, you need to add an image for each blog post. And what I do is I always crop the image to be the correct ratio for sharing on Facebook. Uh, for every blog post that I create. And you just end up interacting with images quite a bit. Now, I know most of you use Canva, and I wish I could recommend Canva, but I don't like Canva. For one, it recommends PNG files, which are overly bloated for blogging and for websites. It really slows down a website if you're using big Canva PNG files. And not only does it slow down your website, but it hurts your search engine rankings. So Canva no good for websites unless you're using the hundred dollar a year version which will allow you to see how big the files are that you're making but unless you pay them 120 dollars a year they won't even show you how bloated the images are that you're making with canva uh, now for social media that's fine because facebook or twitter is going to shrink those bloated canva images into optimized facebook images but if you have your own website or your own blog it's not going to do that so what i recommend and what i personally use is pixelmator Pro. It's a one-time purchase. It's $40 for the Pro version. The free version may be enough for you, and that one's free. And it allows you to very quickly edit images. And it's on your computer rather than on Canva.com. So Canva.com runs on the web. Pixelmator Pro runs on the Mac. It's Mac only, but it's really good. It's $40. It's one purchase, and it runs on both your desktop and your laptop. Uh, if you're running on Windows, the, my recommendation is Photoshop Elements, which does everything Pixelmator does at only twice the price. <laughs> so you still think buying a PC is the cheaper option. Here's another example of how the PC version of the software is more expensive. 
So I really like Pixelmator Pro. It does everything I need it to do. And you know, you can always have Canva too if you want to use it for image creation. But our next recommendation for image creation, hopefully I can, if you're not convinced to leave Canva yet, let me give you one more recommendation. That's for image creation. So for image editing, I recommend Pixelmator Pro. For image creation, I recommend BookBrush. BookBrush is like Canva, it runs on Chrome, so it's PC and Mac, but it's made specifically for authors. So imagine a version of Canva that's both easier to use because it's only for authors, so it doesn't have all those extra features, but also more powerful because it's got all of these special features just for authors. Let's say a audiobook version of your book just came out and you wanna adapt your book cover and put it on an iPhone with a special badge that says, listen on Audible. Guess what? With BookBrush, you can do that in minutes because all of those are built in as templates and you can just click, 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 and you're done. Uh, whereas doing that with Canva or with Pixelmator Pro would be really difficult. So for most authors, I think the free version of BookBrush is fine, but once you start paying for advertising, if you're creating ads, especially for Facebook, and you wanna create beautiful ads for Facebook, paying the $100 a year for BookBrush is well worth the money. Uh, so book brushes like Canva for authors, and I'd say there's free trial. There's actually just a free version, and it's it's a very powerful free version, and I would recommend that you check it out. If you want to keep using Canva, that's cool. I'm not going to judge you, but I would encourage you before you you know go Canva all the way, at least try Pixelmator Pro and try Book Brush. You may find that they are the backhoe and Canva is the shovel. <laughs> so the next piece of software that I recommend is for podcast editing. And for podcast editing, I recommend Hindenburg Journalist. I use Hindenburg Journalist Pro for people first getting started. I think Hindenburg Journalist is plenty. And I'm convinced there's only two kinds of podcasters in this world. Those who've tried Hindenburg and love it, and those who've not yet tried it. I've taught podcast editing at several podcast events. These are rooms full of podcasters. And so far, every time I've done it, and I show off Hindenburg Journalist, there have been audible gasps from the audience. In fact, at the most recent conference I spoke at, I taunted them at the beginning. I said, every time I do this, they're a gasp and everyone chuckled. They're like, I'm not gonna gasp. But then when I showed them how they can fade in music in seconds, they were like, oh! <laughs> then they all laughed because there really were gasps again, because it really is so much easier in Hindenburg than it is in GarageBand or Audition or Audacity, which are the common tools that people use. And I've noticed with at least with American podcasters, they're a little less likely to know about Hindenburg because it's German software. But just because that's made in Germany doesn't mean it's in German. It's fully in English and it's really, really good. And what makes it so good is the fact that it's designed specifically for podcasters. It's the only software really designed for podcasters in its class. So it's not for musicians. There's no way to use it for music. And by taking out all the knobs and be bells and whistles that musicians need, it got both more simple and more powerful, <laughs> just like with BookBrush. It, and I really, really like Hindenburg Journalist. It's got a fully featured free trial. So if you have a podcast, do yourself a favor and give Hindenburg Journalist a try. And I will say it's one of the things I get the most feedback from for uh, after my talk at the Spark um, podcast conference, people come up to me months later and they tell me how much switching to Hindenburg has changed their lives and potentially even saved their podcast because they were going to give up on podcasting because it was too much work. But when they switched to Hindenburg, it was now suddenly easy enough. <laughs> they could do it fast enough where it still fit in their life. 
The next piece of software I recommend is for video editing. We're getting into kind of some more advanced software here. Uh, not every author needs to edit videos, especially novelists don't need to edit videos very often. Uh, and what I recommend for video editing is Camtasia. It's $249, it's for Mac and for PC, and it's specifically made for the kinds of videos authors are most likely to make. Webinar recordings, video lessons, book trailers, that sort of thing. And uh, this is what I use to edit all of my course videos, and I'm happy with it. Uh, my one beef is that it's not great at recording video from the Mac, it's webcam, but you can do that with the built-in QuickTime software, can record the video in full quality. Uh, but other than that, the editing, which is really what I use it for, is really good for making uh, courses and for webinars. So if you're writing fiction, I don't think you need this. But if you're writing nonfiction and you're thinking about adding a course on your topic to your book, I would encourage you to check out Camtasia. And along those same lines, our final piece of software is Crowdcast for webinars. Chances are you've already attended one of my Crowdcast webinars. Uh, and if not, the Plotter webinar is coming up next week. You're welcome to come to that. And what I love about Crowdcast, there's a lot of things I love about Crowdcast. First off, I've used maybe a dozen different webinar platforms in, over the last 10 years, and Crowdcast is the first that I have not come to hate over time. Yes, you heard that right. Crowdcast is the first one I haven't come to hate. <laughs> uh, the only other one I don't hate is Zoom, which is cheaper, but it's not quite as good uh, for webinars. It's better for smaller meetings. What I like about Crowdcast is it runs in the browser, it runs in all of the browsers, but it runs best in Chrome. You don't have to have special software to use it, and attendees can post questions, and they can vote on the questions that other attendees ask. So I did a, a webinar with 500 people attending, or 500 people registered, I think 300 some odd attended live, and then others watched the replay. That's a chat that's going too fast to really follow, at least and speak at the same time. But they were able to ask questions and vote on each other's questions. And some questions had dozens and dozens of votes, which was really helpful to know. One, these are things that a lot of people want me to answer. But two, these are questions that a lot of my listeners have. It's a really great feature. And none of the other webinar platforms have that feature. It also has the ability to take anyone from the audience and invite them on screen. Uh, which you don't have to do and they don't have to accept. But sometimes somebody will have a question, I'll pull them on screen and we can have a little conversation and people can see their face next to my face. It's visually interesting. And you can pay for Crowdcast month to month. So it's $49 a month, which I realize is expensive, but it's not actually that expensive compared to GoToWebinar and all of its competitors. It's actually on the cheaper end of webinar tools. Our sponsor today is the How to Build an Amazing Author Website course. In this course, you'll learn how to build an amazing author website, even if you're not a techie person. And you'll also learn how to craft the kind of website that your readers will love, the kind of website they want to visit. The best part is the course is 100% free. Uh, students have gone from never building a website before to having built a website the day they started taking the course. It's that easy. You just need someone to show you how to do it. And that's what I do. I actually go through the process of building a website myself. I actually paid for the whole, everything, right? Or I go through the process of setting up hosting. And then I show you how to set up and get a really good theme. And while I'm recommending software, the theme that I recommend in the course is the Divi theme, which makes uh, using or building a WordPress website as easy as building a Wix or a Squarespace website, but with all of the benefits that come with having a WordPress.org website. I've gotten some really great feedback from this course. I just updated it this last week with a new section on email. 
So if you've gone through the course already, you may want to check out uh, the updates. And I'm continually going in there and making it better and, and improving it. And you can find out more about that at authormedia.com. Our featured patron is Barb Raveling, the author of Taste for Truth, a 30-day weight loss Bible study. Do you ever feel like you're never able to lose weight and keep it off? This Bible study will help. <laughs> You'll be taking off the lies that make you overeat and putting on the truth that will make you actually want to eat with control. So, Barb, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, helping keep us on the air. I really appreciate it. And if you want to become a patron, we'll have a link in the show notes for you to do that at novelmarketing.com slash 249 for episode 249. And if you can't afford to become a patron, but you still want to help the show, you can. Just use one of the affiliate links in this post or at authormedia.com slash recommendations. I have all kinds of recommendations for like what microphone to get if you're podcasting, what hosting to get, and much more. I try to test every single thing I recommend. And many of the things in this episode, even if there isn't an affiliate link, <laughs> I still bought it uh, to try it out, or I still uh, checked it out one way or the other. And you can find that, again, at authormedia.com slash recommendations. And quick update on the podcast. This is officially episode 249 of Novel Marketing. We've had some bonus episodes and episodes that were not counted, so technically there's more episodes than that. But this is episode 249, which means next week is going to be episode 250. Can you believe it? 250 episodes. Now, we're a much older podcast than you would think, but 250 episodes, because we don't have a podcast every week. I'm a believer that a bad podcast episode is bad forever, but a late podcast episode is only late for a few weeks. <laughs> so I try, uh, if I don't have a good podcast, I try not to put it out until it's ready to go out. But how successful I am at that, you can tell me. <laughs> so maybe I need to work even harder on it. Uh, but next week, I'm going to do something a little different and something I try to do as rarely as possible on this podcast. I try, as a general rule, not to talk about myself because I'm a believer that people don't care about me. But several times I've, I've run into listeners at conferences I've spoken at recently, and several of them have pointed out that they want to hear more about me. And so I'm taking that listener feedback to heart, and I'm going to share my story next week. <laughs> it's going to be an extended edition of my story. So if you don't care about me, no worries. I get it. You're here to learn how to sell more books. You can just skip the next episode. Uh, that said, I also want to hear your story. So if you've learned something useful on novel marketing in the last 250 episodes, or you have a short testimony uh, you want to share or a specific episode has really jumped out at, to you and you want to talk about it for, for briefly, you might hear your voice on, a, on next week's episode, but you have to very quickly leave a voicemail message uh, if you want it to be included in that episode. And you can do that at authormedia.com slash contact to leave a high quality recording, or you can just call with your phone. I, I know actual telephone technology, our listener voicemail line, which is 512 827 8377. And we also have that phone number at authormedia.com slash contact if you don't uh, remember it, but you want to call and, and leave a note. Uh, so anyway, I appreciate you listening. You've been listening to Thomas Sumstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast. To find the blog version of this episode with all the links talked about or to get new episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit novelmarketing.com. Thank you for listening and live long and prosper.